Thank you, Denise. Appreciate it. Can we give Denise a warm round of applause? She is like the uh, queen of announcements, and uh, for sure. Uh, well, good morning, and good to see you guys. Uh, I know it's been a crazy last couple of weeks. I mean, quite honestly, it still feels like 2020, right? Um, it's just been a long, long period of time, and I just sense that uh, we need to stay in a, in, in a space of intercession for our community and for our world, constantly interceding, constantly praying uh, when our hearts are grieved, that we don't just become desensitized by the news and the headlines, that we don't just like escape, but that we actually pray, you know. Um, if, if you take a second when you change the channel or move the paper to pray before you just kind of like throw it somewhere, right? Um, because I know it can be burdensome with your own personal issues and your own world going on, but God has asked us to pray, and if he asked us to pray, that means he's listening and he's, and he's working. Amen. Um, so uh, I am very excited. Uh, thank you for journeying with us on this uh, sermon series um, through worship and justice. Um, we've been looking at and tapping into the unseen connection. Uh, we opened it up, just kind of given an overview of that. We tackled what it looks like on a layer of, on the corporate level. We tackled what it looks like on the layer of personal level. And today, we're going to be diving into an even more personal level, looking at our giving and how it relates to justice. Uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you so very much for who you are. We, we thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are present, that you've given your word to us to guide us in these dark times. We thank you that you've given us your presence to strengthen us, Lord God, when everything looks like um, not good. And, and Lord, I just pray that you go before us today, that you meet us here in this, in this space and be honored and be glorified and teach us. Uh, those that have ears, let them hear. Those that have eyes, let them see. We thank you and love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, let's get into the word today. Um, going to start out in the New Testament today, Matthew 23, 23. It reads, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. It is these you ought to have practice without neglecting the others. Here we are. In the New Testament, some of you might be like, finally, right? We're in the New Testament, and these are the words of none other than Jesus Christ, the greatest to ever walk the earth. And we've journeyed in this series through, through prophets in the Old Testament, and you've got a little bit of a sample size of those prophets, of their uh, significance, of their priority, of their personalities, of their background, uh, and, and the major place that they played in the kingdom of God, leading up into this moment. 
And so now in 2022, as we look at Jesus Christ, we, we see his mission and him walking the earth and all the marvelous things that he did. But in real time, my question is, how did the people view him? How did people view Jesus alone? How did they categorize him in real time as he was walking from town to town, journeying, uh, sleeping and eating with the people? I love what uh, R.C. Sproul says. He says, the son of God came and pitched his tent with men. And so here are some of the words we see. Matthew 16 gives us a great insight on how the people view Jesus. Um, and, and you know, it was at Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's like, um, who do the people say I am? Right? And what, what do they say? They say, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. <laughs> Right. And so when Jesus was walking, people categorized, they said uh, he's one of the prophets. Remember the, the prophet's goal. Remember, the prophet had an important role that was not under any king, but he had the, the role to affirm God's covenant with the people and to fight against injustice. And he stood up to the powers of the, of the day. And it's, it's very important because when we look at the events that we're going to cover today and the little bit of the sample size that I gave you with the Old Testament prophets and, and, and how they stood up for the people and the marginalized, we actually get a better understanding of Jesus and when he is speaking to the powers of the day and how Jesus comes and what his role is. Many people might miss it, but Luke 4, 18, he says, I've come. Right. When he says his mission statement, it's a mission statement that's quoted directly from Isaiah, which is the scriptures that we've covered when the book that we covered last week that speaks to doing justice, coming to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. Jesus had a focus when he came on earth and it was for his people. And so let's look at our events today. We see Jesus is laying it down, and right now, he's in true fashion, right? He, he, he's like what I say, he's dropping bars, all right? He's, uh, what's the first word of the text when we look at our text at Matthew 23, 23? What is it? Whoa, right? Whoa. It's, 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 it's a, I, I see it like a battle song. I, I, anybody remember the uh, Black Rob and Whoa back in the 90s, the hit song? Right, whoa, right? It, it, he said, whoa, right? It, it meant a good thing. It was slang for what's good, right? But in this sense, Jesus is not talking about something that's good. It's another type of woe. It's um, a woe that is bad, actually. And it's in, in, in Greek, it's uai. Don't judge me, Ike. I know he, he um, it's actually Greek, right? But that's what that's what they say, right? That's what the re that's what my research has said is why. But woe is a mixed cry of regret, compassion, and sorrow and denunciation. And in this text, Jesus drops seven woe bars, or should I say verses? And each woe can kind of have a sermon behind it. And and what's amazing about Jesus is that he is talking to the leaders of the day. 
right? And I know Pharisees get a bad rap a lot of times, but they were the people that actually stood up and 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 provided autonomy and agency for Israel um, between um, that that weren't necessarily paid by the Roman government, right? So they were also they were bad Pharisees and they were good Pharisees and. And, and so some of them, they were heroes. But when Jesus is taking on the leaders of his day, which is often what a prophet does, um, he's not just speaking to them, but he's speaking to the example that's being set, right? Because if the leaders of the day are doing this, then what would people that are not, that don't have responsibility, what will they think, right? People that don't have a title, what will they think? What will they do if the leaders are doing this? Sidebar. When we speak to leaders of our day, it's always thinking about the people, right? It's never a power struggle for the children of God. It shouldn't be, right? It shouldn't be a power play. It should be on behalf of the people, on behalf of the suffering, on behalf of the victim. And so in context, we're not going to go through all the woes, all right? I'm just going to run through them real quick. But when we see Jesus dealing and correcting and denouncing, it's usually always attached to an injustice or mistreatment of the people. And so the first woe actually talks about closing access to seekers of God. He gets on the Pharisees for trying to close access to everybody from God in the temple. The second woe is talking about them corrupting new converts, influencing them in the bad way. The third is dealing with blind guides and binding oaths, and there's a partiality towards the rich that the Pharisees have. The fourth woe is what we're talking about today. The fifth is greed and self-indulgence. The sixth is deception, hypocrisy, and lawlessness. And the seventh is murderers of the righteous. And this is what he put on the plate of the Pharisees. And this is the issue that he has with them. And it's all connected to a mistreatment of somebody else. Remember, we've been talking about God's premium on life, God's concern with the human being, God's love towards the people, and not just this law code that is ambiguous, right? But God's heart is for the people. And so he's getting on them on this fourth woe about giving. Now, giving, we talk about it all the time. It's very important. It is a a part of our worship. It is a part of our devotion towards God. I love what Amy Carmichael says. She says, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving, right? (laughs) You can't love without giving. And in Acts 20, 35, We see Paul quoting Jesus, and all of this I have given you an example that by such work we must support the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, for he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And Jesus himself, if you remember when he was sitting by the treasury in the temple and everybody was walking by, dropping off their offering. That's kind of how we grew up in, in Kojic. Everybody, there would be an offering plate up there, and then the usher would uh, guide people up, and we would all come, and right? And so Jesus is right there kind of like in the front pew, and he's watching people give. And then what does he say? He sees people that are rich, and then he sees a poor widow. And he said, the poor widow 
She only gave two mites, but she gave more than the rich people that gave before her to him, right? And so we see there's this important thing about giving that's connected to our heart, connected to our loving, and that's just what the people of God do. And so why is Jesus a bit frustrated with the Pharisees here? Because in a sense, they're following the law. Right. The Mosaic law specified that a tenth of all that one had was to be given to the Lord for his work. And that would go to the Levites and the priests that would minister to the people. This was an establishment that he set up. And you can go back to Leviticus. You can go back to Deuteronomy. You can see God set up a system. And the giving was always connected to the community because God, like, like we talked about a couple of sermons ago, we can't give something to build a house unto God, right? God doesn't necessarily need our giving, but God has set up a structure for support for us as a community to give. As he gives to us life and sunlight and, and everything, he instructs us to give. But the Pharisees in this sense, the issue in this sense is that they were so scrupulous, like they were down, they, they were so about attending to this requirement that they measured out to pay the tithe of even the smallest crops. And so this actually is dealing with contrast here. When we look at these three words, herbs, mint, dill, and cumin, right? They were told to give everything that they had, to tithe off everything that they had. And he's actually speaking to like, they were focused on giving so much that they, that, that they forgot about the people. And so the herb, the milk, the dill, cumin, if you know these things, if you're a chef or you just know, you know, uh, 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 vegetables and plantation, you know, that those are small crops. And so they, as leaders, were like focused accountants on just what matters in this smallest thing while they were missing the widows. They were missing the orphans. They were missing the people that really needed the help. They had an attention to detail over their attention to people. And that is where we as people of God never need to be so focused on the details and the codes more than the actual people. He doesn't say don't give. He's speaking to the priority of their giving. You see, we often think giving is just um, as long as you have a pure heart and your intentions are pure, this is the type of giving that honors God. And that is true. But it's not the only thing. Giving isn't just isolated to just a pure heart. It's also connected to what else are we giving? What else are we prioritizing? Are we prioritizing the things of God? Right? Are we giving to people, to the marginalized? Do we see them? Right? Um, sometimes we have sayings in our culture um, and philosophies that separate us from those that may need our giving. So, you know, we may, in our focus, trying to go after our dreams or trying to go after the things that we feel are important or that God has us to do, we can have things like, uh, well, make sure you surround yourself by people that are only taking you forward. And we don't necessarily think about 
what we give to people, right, who may need from us. And so I heard a, a wise man tell me, you should always have three types of people in relationship. You should have a mentor above you that kind of uh, holds you accountable. You should have a peer beside you that holds you accountable on a different level. And you should have a mentee below you. And this, each, each relationship adds a level of humility and a level of honesty that you won't get in one place. And I'm going to add a fourth one today, a stranger. There should be a stranger that we're connected to that we're able to exchange and give. Because there's a heart that God has for people that are not in our immediate circles, and so we have to pay attention to what Jesus is saying. Because at the time, the Pharisees had consumed themselves with the, how much they should tithe, the, the exact percent off of everything that they give. And they weren't seeing that they weren't giving to the most important things, the weightier matters of the law. They were just good with activity. And so they put rituals over people, you know, and, and to be honest, rituals are safer. They feel safer. Like people are unpredictable. People are, they get on your nerves. They frustrate you, right? You don't know what's coming with people sometimes, right? And, and, and it's just easier to give this certain amount all the time to focus on that than deal with the unpredictable mess that we are as people. The expectations are clearer when you can just stick to this ritual, right? It never changes. But when you deal with people, they change. And you change. And there is this level of humility that we have to have, that we have to deal with when we deal with people. And Jesus, Jesus came from heaven to deal with us. <laughs> Him and his perfect self came from heaven to deal with us and our mess. And so now he invites us to deal with us, with ourselves, with our mess, right? This giving is, 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 is so important because we go by rules, and especially in our society, right? You remember, you know, cream, cash rules, everything around me. Money is so important. Everything you need. Right. It's so pivotal to to many people, to many organizations. I've, I've worked in nonprofit for years. Right. Doing fundraising, uh, some grant writing. And sometimes. In the nonprofit world, in that fundraising world, like if you give. You're good, you're straight, right? We just want something like people would just take anything. And what ends up happening is. You become satisfied, and it just becomes a secure place for you, just giving, as long as my dollars do the working. And you can detach yourself from actually connecting to the purpose of why you're giving. And I think Jesus is asking us for do, to do more. Jesus is asking us to get in the space, to get uncomfortable, to be vulnerable with our peers, with our strangers, in our community, with our neighbors. It always takes some humility. 
because as frustrating or as awkward as we all have our quirks and, and, and come from different backgrounds, if we see somebody that way, there's somebody else that sees us as maybe annoying, some maybe frustrating, maybe quirky, right? Maybe can't get along with, you know, you're too detail-oriented or you're too laid back, right? There's always a couple fingers pointing back at us. And it takes some humility to deal with that. And so God asked us, can you be in the space? Because as we mentioned, there is a false security in, in numbers, right? Last week I talked about there's a false security when, when there's piety, right? And there's also a false security in our giving when that is just seen as a, 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 an isolated thing. And I love Jesus because he's so, he's not just asking them to do what he is not doing. He is not asking them to go beyond where he has not gone. He has been giving more than we've seen by any prophet, by any leader. He has committed his whole life to this cause. And so it's very important that we see this priority that Jesus is setting for us. That he's setting that, yes, giving is important, but being in this space and giving justice, mercy, and faith. He said, it is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. The way to your matters of the law, that people are always over greater than the ritual. And so Jesus brings justice to those who are wrong, mercy to those who are wrong, and faithfulness to those who have departed from the faith. And he's asking us to do the same. And we're back to this trifecta. If you remember, when I opened up this series, what was the trifecta then? It was do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. And now we see justice, mercy, and faith. And there's a very similar resemblance to Micah 6 and 8. Justice, he says, should be a way to your law. What is that? Defending, advocating, empowering for victims of injustice. Standing up for the marginalized. Then he says, mercy, which is compassion, a willingness to forgive the offender that hurt you, that didn't think about you, that neglected you. A willingness to forgive and hug and move the breach out the way. Mercy. That can be hard. But it's right. Because every time we think about what somebody has done to us, we have to always remember how we make God feel, our sins towards God. And he still forgives, he still gives life, he still holds his arms open for us. And then thirdly, faith. I believe this faith is believing in your fellow man. What is your outlook? Are you a cynic of people? Do you not believe in people? I think Christ asks us to, to change that and not let that be. I know sometimes we can say that's a, 
personality type, but I think it's connected to something deeper. 1 Corinthians 13, 7, it says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I believe the children of God are called to be optimists about people. Optimists about our community, about our city. Jeremiah 29, 7, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Having a great outlook, a vision, even though it's not going the way you want to see it, even though there's hurt and pain, even though it's unpredictable and uncomfortable, can you still see a good outcome? Can you still see wholeness and restoration? Every time there's family issues, you know, I always try to think about Jacob and Esau. Because these are two brothers, one brother wanted to kill each other and God made it whole. <laughs> like, I, don't, I know I don't want to kill this person, but there's, it seems like a, wild, a mile wide gap between us. But if God can restore Jacob and Esau, I know he can restore this family issue. Can we believe? See, when you walk in justice, yes, we're aware of the darkness. We're not in denial. We're not blind to what's going on. But it's also a faith that something can change in your fellow neighbor. And that we can't let hope die. We can't be so negative that we can't see a better day. We showed the video of Martin Luther King on his last speech. Didn't know that he's going to be assassinated, but he had a vision on the mountaintop. The mountaintop, a reference to Moses. Seeing Israel, they're going to make it. And he wasn't sure whether he was going to make it. He could have just complained about not going to make it. He could have just complained about all the assassination attempts on his life, the threats that he got at nighttime, the calls. He could have just focused on that. Those were real things. They were reality in his life. But he chose to see the, the better outlook, the greater outlook. And so I think Christ is calling us to that today, to believe to hold hope. And as we give of our substance, we give of ourselves. We give of ourselves. What can, what can you give of yourself? What can I give of myself? What is my time? What does my energy look like? Who are the people that God is telling me to connect with a little bit more? These are the way to your matters. And if we just get lost in our schedule and our calendar and our to-dos and we miss the people, we can fall subject to the same thing that the Pharisees fell to. But I'm believing that will be different for us. You see, this connection between worship and justice and our giving, it's all together. It's not separate. God wants to pour all of us out as an offering. 
And so that's what we're talking about when we talk about giving of ourselves, getting in the space, understanding our neighbors, understanding our community. And that's why we provided some action steps and places for you to volunteer and get connected to. Because I I just, I never want to be in a space that, um, that I wasn't able to show the love of God to his people, right? And so our society has taught us to move, especially our city, we're moving so fast, right? Moving so fast, got so much to do that we can just be in a space and everything is forgotten. <laughs> it just becomes about the task. And this is coming back to me, um, rest in peace, Smitty. He was a mentor of mine when I was working at the Flesh and Y. And one day I went to lunch with him. And going to lunch with Smitty is an adventure because I had been going to lunch, you know, different places, but I just pick my spot. I go, come back, I go, come back. That's what I do. But when you go with Smitty, you're about to see everybody on Flushing Main Street. <laughs> and he knew everybody's name and he knew some of the um, some of the stores I never knew about. And they gave him stuff. He gave them stuff. He was just so connected to people in a way that I had never seen Main Street before. He opened it up for me. My, it was like darkness went to light. Because <laughs> I was just, you know, your work day is your work day, and you're there, and sometimes you get burdened by it. You forget to see the people. And here was Smitty. He saw the people, even on his work break. And so I think God is trying to get us to see the people around us. Be adventurous. Be bold. Learn about new, new, new things in your space. Introduce yourself, whether you're an introvert or extrovert. Get connected. Because justice, mercy, and faith, as the worship team can come forward, they are connected to and beautiful parts of what we've seen in the gospel as he gave his life. Justice he did for us as people that were helpless but we also were people that were guilty of sin and he had mercy for the guilty and he had faith, faith to give his life for a world, for some people he knew that would not come to grace, that would not accept his gift. Some people would not accept the good news. Some people would not accept that he gave his life, but he still gave his life. He is our example today. And so, can we give, and and as Jesus, it's it's not about what you give, it's not about how much you give, it's you give from your heart, and give of yourself, and when you do that, you see a shift and change in your environment, and God has blessed all of us to be change agents all of us to be light. Light changes the space. It brings clarity to the space. It brings clarity to the space and it brings safety to the space. You don't trip over things. You trip over things in the dark. You don't in the light. And so let us remember that today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, so very much for who you are and your grace and your mercy today. Thank you.
you have given so much to us, Lord. You have given so much. We, we can't even count all of the blessings. We can't even count the blessings of today. Lord, I just pray, Lord God, that um, you would heal us. That we cannot forget the weightier matters of the law. That we cannot forget justice, mercy, and faith. And that we don't be content with just giving of our money and not ourselves. From if our accounts are low or if our accounts are high, oh God. Let us follow your model. Let us follow your example. And to practice these things and not neglect the people. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.